0: school public school uh if you're getting ready to head back to school and you're a student normally i have you come up front every time i have them come up front i always have some they're just like do i have to so no you don't have to but i do ask this i'm gonna ask all of our school students if you would to at least stand where you are if you will stand up if you're getting ready to start back to school here uh in the next few weeks will you stand even if you're a teacher getting re- all right, now I'm not making you come up front, but I know we got some students in here. So if we got some students, we want you to stand up. Where you're school, public school, wherever you're at, teachers, if you'll stand up, we're just going to pray over you and just be a blessing to you. Oh, they're upstairs. That's why. That's where they're at. That makes sense. I'm like, where are the other students? She's going to go get them. So they're going to come down in a minute. We want to pray over them. I should have done that earlier. See? Hallelujah. I thought something was wrong. It's like, where, where, where are they? We want to pray over them. We're going to believe God for a safe school year. We're going to believe God for a mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit upon the students uh, to go forth and be light in the world. Gavin starting kindergarten this year, aren't you, buddy? You excited about that? Yeah. Miss Parker's class. Don't you love it when they're excited to go to school like that? I hope that holds on for him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Catherine did go get them, right? Okay, good deal. Hallelujah. When they all come through the door, give them a big hand. They won't know what's going on. Here they come. If you will, let's stretch out our hands towards our students, whether they're out in the chairs or whether they're up here up front. Hallelujah. Father God, in the name of Jesus. We pray for every one of these young people, for those who are teachers that are getting ready to start a new school year. Father God, whether they're going to be in public school or home school or Christian school, Father God, we just thank you, God, that you're going to go with them every day. Father God, that you're going to surround them with your presence. Lord, their bodies are the dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. And Father God, I thank you that you're going to anoint them, that you equip them. Father God, I just thank you, God, that you will protect them body, soul, and spirit. We plead the covenant blood of Jesus Christ over them, over their school campuses. Father God, we just thank you for watching over them and keeping them safe. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that as they study and apply themselves, Father God, I just thank you, God, that you will equip them and anoint them to excel in what they do. I thank you that you'll give them favor, God, with not only fellow students, but with teachers and administrators. Father God, I thank you. They are the light. As they go into those schools and onto those campuses, and Father, they are the salt in the earth that they're in. Even at their, no matter how young they are, and Father God, I thank you that they'll know that. Lord, that you'd remove any fear, that you'd powerfully equip and anoint them. Father, that this will be a great school year for them, for our teachers as well. Powerfully anoint and equip them for those who are teachers that aren't able to be with us today. I thank you for anointing and equipping them. And Father God, we thank you for a year of revival in our school systems. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Ah, Now you can go back to Kids Church. Thank you, everyone. Remember them through the years or through this school year as you think about them. Uh, Every day, I encourage you to pray not only for them, for safety, and and just uh, lift up them, their teachers, and their schools. If you will turn with me this morning to the book of Colossians, that's where we're going to start. Back about two or three weeks ago, I started a series talking about the battlefield being in the mind. We, We took a few weeks off from that, feeling like the Holy Spirit was leading us in a different direction. But I really feel led to go back and pick up on that, particularly right now. Uh, In chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 1, this is where we closed out two or three weeks ago. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set or fix or focus your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died... And your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. A couple of things to remind you before we get into what we're going to talk about today. The Bible declares in the book of Ephesians that we have as Christians been raised up together and made to set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every title or name. That's where we are. You may not always feel that way. It may not always appear that way. Your circumstances may not always look that way. But positionally, that's where God says we are because of not anything you've done or said or anything I've done or said, but because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. We've been raised up to heavenly places. The Bible says that in those places, we are positionally far above any attack, any power of the enemy that would come against us. It also says that in those same heavenly places, we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So I want you to look at it this way, everything that you might need, everything that that would be an answer to a problem or question that you have, everything that would be a solution to a dilemma that you're in, that would be something that is a spiritual blessing that God's already blessed you with, but those blessings are in heavenly places. They're not here earthy. So he says, set or fix your mind on things above where your life really is. So I want you to get this before we move on. Your life is not here. Now, I'm going to say that again because it's so important we get it. Your life is not here. Now, we live here, and God's blessed us here. But your life is not here. Your life is in Christ. And when Christ, who is our very life, appears, we'll also appear with him. So he makes this awesome statement that's very hard to put into practice, but it will change your world if you do. He says, set or fix your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, I want you to stop for a minute and ask yourself this question. Not out loud, but just ask yourself this question. How many of the problems that you're dealing with are on this earth? Okay, that's, I, I know the answer. You it's 100% of them. Okay? You don't have any problems in heaven. So... If our problems are on this earth, if our struggles are on this earth, if our worries and our fears and our dilemmas and our confusion and our chaos and our stress and our anxiety is all related to things on this earth, he said, don't set your mind there. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, if we can do that, it will deal a blow to the anxiety, the fear, The worry, the chaos, the confusion, all of the things that keep you up at night, tossing and turning and robbing you of sleep, all the things that rob you of peace and get in between your relationships with others. If we can really put this into practice, then the Holy Spirit can absolutely revolutionize your world. Now, I know what you're thinking yeah, but but that's a whole lot easier said than done. That's a fact. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit ever instructed us to do anything that He doesn't absolutely intend to empower and anoint and equip us to do. So He's told us to fix our mind on Him. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, you don't have to turn over there, it says, The kingdom of heaven, the rule, the domain, the scope of the power and the life of God, the kingdom of heaven is not meat nor drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy, in the Holy Spirit. And specifically, he's talking there and referring to religious observances because those who had come out of the Old Covenant and, and particularly the Jews who had come out of, of all of the sacrificial systems and, and the festivals and the feasts, there was a real dilemma going on because when Jesus came and, and, and died and rose again and, and people were being born again, and the Holy Spirit was filling up not just Jews but Gentiles, they were beginning to understand they could have a relationship with Jesus that didn't just revolve and consist around those feasts and those festivals and those religious observances and all of the rules that were set around those things that made God seem distant and unapproachable and caused people to walk away from Him. Instead, they realized that God had on purpose drawn close to them, that He wasn't angry at them, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, He had made a way that they could come close to Him. And and some of the... Some folks were uncomfortable with that, so they were trying to get them to observe all of the same feasts and festivals and rules of the Old Covenant. And Paul was addressing that, and he said, listen, the kingdom of God does not consist in those things. That's not what makes up the rule of God in your life. Understand this. The rule of God is righteousness. It's walking in a right relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's understanding that he became sin for me that I might be made or become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That I'm a new creation. Old is gone and the new has come. Everything is new about me as a Christian. I literally have royal blood flowing through my spiritual veins. I am a child of the king and so are you. Everything's changed. The Apostle Peter said it this way, that He's blessed us with everything we could ever need pertaining to life and godliness. And through these exceedingly great and precious promises that we can find in His Word, He's made us a partaker of His divine and supernatural nature. So I have access to everything that's in the kingdom. The kingdom of God, the rule of God in my life is righteousness. So I can approach God now not in fear, but in boldness. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what he tells us to do in the book of Hebrews. He says to come to him with boldness, to enter into his presence with boldness, knowing that we will have find mercy and grace to help us in a time of need because of what Jesus has done. The kingdom of God is not just righteousness, it's peace. Couldn't you use a little peace? The kingdom of God is peace. It is peace. So understand this. If you're not walking in righteousness, then you're not operating in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Listen, I can feel a little bit of, I don't like that. That's okay because you still need it. If you're not living and walking in righteousness, if you don't think I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and I can approach the throne of God boldly, then you're not walking in the kingdom. I didn't say you're not in the kingdom. I said you're not operating in the kingdom of God. You're trying to get over and operate in a performance mentality that tells you because I did this, therefore God will do that. And that goes back to the law, and the law has been been already fulfilled through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You don't have to fulfill it, and thank God you don't, because you couldn't no matter how hard you tried. So Jesus fulfilled it for us. He said that, listen, I don't agree with that. Well, then you don't agree with Jesus, because Jesus said, I've done away with it. He said, I've removed the one, and I've established something else. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He's done it. Not because the law was bad. The law was perfect. There's a big problem, though. You and I are not perfect. Jesus is, so he did what the law can't. So whenever you allow condemnation, whenever you allow guilt, whenever you allow fear, whenever you allow self-hatred, whenever you allow your past, your inferiority, your insecurity to talk to you and tell you you're not worthy and you can't come into the presence of God, if you are a redeemed child of God, then at that point, at that moment, you aren't operating in the rule of God. I didn't say you're not a Christian. I said you're not operating in the kingdom because the kingdom of God is righteousness well what's so important about that because what you need to get rid of the doubt and the self-loathing and the inferiority and the insecurity and all the things that are troubling you is to know who you are in Christ you need to believe that and operate in that the kingdom of God is righteousness the kingdom of God is peace so if you're not walking in peace guess what okay if you got mad at the first one you can get mad at me about this one too but everybody just say this, it's good for me. It's good for me. The kingdom of God is peace. So if you're not walking in peace, then you're not operating in the kingdom or the rule of God. I didn't say you're not a Christian. I said at this moment, you're not operating in what you have. I, I got tickled at myself a moment ago. I just didn't say anything. Now I know why, because it fits. It fits. Gavin was trying to talk to me, and I was trying to hear him, so I took off my glasses. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I don't know why taking off my glasses made me think I'd hear better. You see, my glasses are here for a reason. They're to help me see better. And if you have peace, but you're not walking in it's like you're trying to read without your glasses on. See, it's not that you don't have access to peace, it's that you're not using what you have. See, there is a rule of life that God has established through the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of God, and it is peace. So you can have peace. I don't have any peace. Never have peace. You can. You can, but you got to get over into the kingdom. The kingdom of God is joy. <laughs> Which is good. You hear me say this all the time. You got to quote Nehemiah eight ten when you quote that because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I keep saying this because I've never seen anything like it. I'm almost fifty now. I know it's hard to believe. Everybody, look. oh man, you don't look it, right? And yeah, see, I knew I knew you were thinking that. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just fifty. I say that because I want you to understand I've been around a little while now. I've lived for a a little bit. I've seen some things come and go, and I've never in my life seen people as tired as they are now. And I'm not just talking about people who are almost fifty or older. I'll talk to a 15 year old oh, I'm so tired. twenty year old oh, I'm so tired. Eighteen year, old I'm so tired, man. When I was eighteen, I didn't get tired. My goodness gracious, I could, you couldn't stop me. I'd be up till midnight and and one o'clock in the morning if I had to get up. And I I could go and go another. Of course, I used to could eat too and not gain weight at that time. That boy wasn't that a blessing? You remember those days? My goodness, wouldn't don't you wish you could go back? But the king... <laughs> no, I'm good. I don't need hearing aids. You, you don't either, catfish. not, not for. <laughs> the kingdom of God is joy, though. It's joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, I'm all for schedule adjustments. I'm all for fixing things so that we're not as running ragged. But could it be that maybe we need a spiritual adjustment more than we need a schedule adjustment? Could it be that the reason this generation is so tired all the time is because we don't have joy? And if we don't have joy, there's a reason for that. The Bible says in His presence is fullness of joy. So if we're not having an abundance of joy, it's because, listen, if you were mad at me on number one and you were mad at me on number two, you're going to get mad at me on number three. If you don't have joy, it's because you're not spending enough time in His presence. Period. End of story. Well, I don't have time. Yeah, you do. Don't lie to me. I use that too. I tell people all the time I don't have time. But if you have time to watch TV, you've got time. If you have time to look at Facebook, you've got time. If you have time to spend on your, on your iPhone, you've got time. We all have time. We're just not using it. We're not prioritizing for joy. <laughs> Somebody told me a long time ago, and I found it to be true, when the pain of where you are, when the pain of staying the same, becomes greater than the pain of change you will change but until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change you'll stay the same at some point i pray that you come to such a holy dissatisfaction with where you are that you'll be willing to do whatever it takes to get where god says you can be the bible says the kingdom of god is not meat nor drink but it is righteousness it is peace it is joy in the holy spirit so we can't have listen listen this is the last part of this. You not the message. No, no, no. We're gonna be around for a while. But but this particular part of the message. The righteousness, the peace, and the joy are all awesome parts of the rule of God, but it's all connected with being in the Holy Spirit. So if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not going to be walking in joy, you're not going to be walking in peace, you're not going to be walking in righteousness. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons or the daughters of the children of God. So it's not just a matter of coming to church on Sunday. It's not just a matter of turning on your favorite teacher or reading a book from time to time. It's a matter of every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, walking in step with the spirit of God seeking the leadership of God seeking the word of God about what he wants you to do in this circumstance or in this situation when we will do that then we'll operate in the kingdom of God well why is that so important I'm glad you asked turn with me to Hebrews Hebrews chapter 12 and let's read verse 26 speaking of the Lord it says whose voice then shook the earth But now he has promised, and can I tell you something? When God makes a promise, it's going to happen. I don't know exactly when, but I guarantee you when God says something, it's sure. It's already just as sure as if it was already done. Every promise God makes, he keeps. So he said he's promised, not only would he shake the earth, but yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. Now this yet once more indicates, notice this phrase, the removal of those things that are being shaken As of things that are made. And the idea there is that they're man made. We've made them. God's made it. Now, if you hadn't liked the first three things I said, you're not going to like this one either. I'm just going to make you all happy today. But we need this. You're not going to come to a place of peace, joy, righteousness, and power with what you can do yourself even if they're religious things. If you're trying to provide or do something yourself that's going to put kingdom life in you, it's never going to work. Because the man-made things can still be shaken. That's the problem. And God's made a promise. That means He's going to keep it. because, Listen, I know it don't seem like it, but because He loves you so much, He's going to shake everything that can shake. I don't sound like love. I know in our flesh that don't sound like love, but God says, I love you so much, I want you to understand some of the things you're trusting in won't hold you. Some of the things you're relying on, they're not strong enough to keep you in the midst of the storm. so I'm going to start shaking so that everything that you think will hold you up that won't you're going to realize, wait a minute, this won't work. this isn't working. I thought this would get me through, and it's not getting me through. I thought this would bring me peace. And it's not bringing me peace. I thought this would bring me hope, and it's not bringing me hope. I thought if I just got this and, and just did this, that everything would be okay, but it's not okay. And God says, and many of you are rebuking the devil for it, and God said, whoa, I'm doing that. I'm shaking everything that will shake. Why are you doing that, God? Because I love you so much. Because, see, you're going to have a moment that's coming that's a whole lot bigger than what you're dealing with right now. And if you're relying on something that won't hold in the storm, you're going to really be devastated. And I want to get rid of that right now. says, so I'm going to shake everything that can shake as of things that are made. Why are you doing it? So that the things which cannot be shaken, they will remain. God says, I want to shake everything so that I can show you the difference between what will last and what won't. Between what's important and what's really not. So that you will build your life on a sure foundation. Not on sand. But then I love this next verse. Talking to the church. Talking to you as a Christian. Therefore, since we are receiving. Notice this is an ongoing thing. We are received. How many of you have been blessed? How many, if you've been saved, how many have been blessed since you've been saved? Go ahead and leave your hands up a minute, if, unless you need to take them down. How many of you have experienced great things in God since you've been saved? Isn't that awesome? You can put your hands down. You hadn't even begun to scratch the surface yet. See, we're still in process. You have not arrived. Praise God. I have had some tremendous things happen to me since I've known the Lord. I've seen God do some powerful things. I've experienced some great revelations in Scripture. I've had moves of the Holy Spirit that I still remember and sometimes feel to this day. I can remember things that just even when I'm going through a hard time, it'll help me hold on because I know what God did, but I haven't even begun to see what God's going to do. See, we are in process. We are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. So, what do I have to do? Well, i got to work real hard. So no, no, no. Just have grace. Let us have grace. Grace is that unearned favor and ability that comes only from God. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire burns up everything in its path. You know what God really wants to do? We pray all the time for, well, at least Christians used to pray for it. I hope we still pray for it, revival. Lord, give us a revival. God, send a revival. Do you know what God will really do if he really sends a revival and does what he wants to do? He's going to consume everything in your life that don't look like him, doesn't sound like him, doesn't think like him, doesn't feel like him. He wants to consume everything that you're trusting in that won't hold you. So that everything that you have is from Him alone. So that it will hold you in the midst of the storm. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. He says, Therefore do not cast away your faith or your confidence, which has great reward. Do you hear that? Your confidence, your faith, there's a great reward with it. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to hold on. I, I'm trying to, to 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 just hold to the promises of God. Do that because there's a great reward. There's a great reward with it. You know Hebrews chapter eleven verse six. It says that if we're going to come to God, we must do two things: believe two things. First of all, it says we have to believe that He is. That means we've got to believe He is everything the Bible says about Him and has done, everything the Bible says He's done. We've got to believe in the power, the purpose, the love, the holiness, the character of our God. And, and I love the and, we not only have to believe that He is, we have to believe that in His character He is a rewarder of those who seek after and pursue Him. Not only is there, is there a God, there sure is. He made everything you'll ever see and everything NASA will ever find. He made it all with a word of his power. We just got back from Florida. We love going to Florida. One of the things I love about Florida is the palm trees. I used to get so depressed leaving Florida. I'd count the last, when we were driving, the last palm tree. I'd almost want to cry when I'd see the last palm tree. Oh, Lord, how long till I see another palm tree? You been to the ocean? Isn't it beautiful? There's just something about just hearing those waves come in. Anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? Amazing. The force of that water going over the falls. Anybody ever seen the Grand Canyon? Beautiful. Majestic. Amazing. The mountains. The lake. The rivers. The trees. Did y'all make that? Did y'all figure out how to do all that? I didn't either. But God did. He spoke it all into being. And the same God who did all of that, he loves you. And it's in our nature, in his nature, to reward those who will seek him. We've got to believe that. And in Hebrews 10, it goes on to say there's a reward when we hold on to our faith and our belief. Verse 36, here's the problem many times. "For you have need of endurance or patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Anybody in this room that, man, I, I thought God gave me a promise and it's not coming to pass. Did you do what He said? Well, I started, no, 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 no. Wait. Did you finish? Well, God told me to do this, but I started. And I, it's just, Pastor, it's not fair. It's not fair. I'm doing it and nobody else is doing it. So did you stop? Yeah. See, you have need of endurance. So that after you've, after, after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I got hurt. So you Stopped. See, you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. He goes on to say this, for yet a little while, he's quoting the prophet Habakkuk here, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. But for now, in this moment, in this battle, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. Now faith is to completely trust in, lean on, and rely on Another. And in this case, it's completely trusting in, leaning onto and relying on God and His Word. Now, if you're going to do that, that means you're going to have to win the war for the mind because everything in your mind tries to get you to stop doing that. Everything in your mind tries to get you to look at your circumstances more than the Word of God, to get you to look at your past more than the Word of God, to get you to look at the future more than the Word of God, to get you to look at people more. More than the word of God. But the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in. But notice verse 39. We are not of those who draw back. We're not of those who quit. We're not of those who give up along the way to perdition. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Look over with me at Romans chapter 12 real quick. Romans chapter 12. I know it's probably on the screen too. So you can look at the screen if you want. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, and that's a strong word. It carries an urgency with it. I beseech you. I plead with you. Therefore, brethren, so he's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. By or considering the mercies of God, looking at what God has done for us, looking at what Jesus has done, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some translations say that is your spiritual worship. I, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, I love it when we sing, I love it when music is played, I love it when people come to the altars, God does some powerful things with that, and that is praise, and that is worship, but you know what, well, you can do all of that, you can, you can enjoy the music, you can enjoy the songs, you can be moved on emotionally, but if you don't present your body to God as a living sacrifice, it ain't going to change anything in your life. I'm telling you, you can come to you can you can move in a worship service and you can be wiped out emotionally. You can cry, you can sob, you can all kinds of things, but until you get up the next day and present your body on the altar as a living sacrifice to God to do what He said and what He wants instead of what you say and what you want, all you had was an emotional experience, albeit a good one. But you're not going to change. But when we present our bodies unto the Lord as a living sacrifice, that's a spiritual worship that will change our world. But what I really want you to see is verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be stretched into the same pattern of the world, but be transformed. How are we going to be transformed? And that the, You've heard me say this before. The word there is the same word that we use for metamorphosis. It's where the idea is like a caterpillar goes into a cocoon and becomes a butterfly at the end. How do we change like that? Pastor, I need to change. I, my, my, so many things in my life need to change. How can I change? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind so that you may know or prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Can I tell you something? I don't care what you think or what I think, what you feel or what I feel, God's will is right and God's will is in his word. So if his word says something that goes against the grain of what you want, I can answer your dilemma today. God's word's right. You're wrong. Period. End of story. But I want to do this. Well, what does God's word says? Well, God's word says something else. Then God's word's right. You're wrong. Well, I want to do it anyway. Well, you can. You can do whatever you want. You can do it your way. But you're not going to have righteousness, peace, and joy. You're not going to operate that if you do. See, somewhere down the line, we've got to decide what we want. Do you want the kingdom of God or do you want your kingdom? Because let me tell you something about your kingdom. Your kingdom will fall when the storms come. God's kingdom will stand. Your kingdom will shake and fall with a mighty mighty de- destruction, but God's kingdom will stand. So you've got to decide where you want to operate in. If you want to operate in the kingdom of God and experience His results, then you're going to have to renew your mind And the way you renew your mind is to get in his word so that you know what the will of God is. And God's will is always good. God's will is always acceptable. And God's will is always perfect. I've heard some people say, well, there's three different wills of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect. If you want to interpret that way and believe it that way, that's fine with me. I don't personally believe that. I believe it means there's one will of God. And that will of God is good. And that will of God is perfect, and that will of God is acceptable. Any other way you go, it's not going to be good. It's not certainly going to be perfect. It's not even acceptable, but you can live that way if you choose. You just won't operate in righteousness, and you won't operate in peace, and you won't operate in joy. It's not because you don't have it. It's not because it's not available. It's just because you're not operating in His kingdom. You're operating in yours. If you operate in His kingdom, you get His results. you want to operate in your kingdom, you're going to get your results. How's that going for you? I've tried it, been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. And I tell you, I want to get rid of the T-shirt. It doesn't go well. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you want to turn over there real quick, we're going to come to a close here in a moment. But it gives us some powerful instruction about battling with the struggles that we have in our mind and in our world. 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, and for many of you, this is going to be a familiar passage of Scripture. We're going to begin in verse 3. It says, For though we walk or live in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they're mighty in God. Now, what are they strong and mighty for? They're mighty for pulling down strongholds. They're mighty for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal but mighty through God are mighty for bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The first part that I read in verse 3 is where we need to start as we kind of come to a close for today. The battle's in our mind. Now, i tell you something. Jesus already won the war. He finished it. Good thing he did, because you can't. So he paid the price for your sin. He paid the price for our deliverance and our freedom. He paid the price for our healing spiritually and physically and mentally. He paid the price. His blood is not just enough. His blood is way more than enough. He did everything he needed to do. And his victory is already established. You don't have to win the victory. The Bible says, this is the victory. That overcomes the world. Even our faith. Faith in what? Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the victory. So the victory doesn't have to be won. The victory has already been won through Jesus Christ. And my victory is believing that. Trusting that. But if I'm going to do that. There is a war. But the war that we fight. Is not one that's fought in the flesh. Now here's the problem. Most of us fight. 90% of the time, in the flesh. You think your problem is somebody. You think your problem is some circumstance. You think your problem is some situation. And you think, if I could just get this person to do what I want them to do, I would be fine. If I could just change this circumstance, I would be fine. If this situation would change, I would be fine. No. Because that's not where the war's at. You can walk into another person, another situation, another circumstance, and all of a sudden be discouraged because you find out I got the same problem. Why do I have the same problem? My circumstances are different. Why do I have the same problem? I changed that situation. Why do I have the same problem? I dealt with that person. Why do I have the same problem? Because your battle's not with the flesh. It's a spiritual battle. And you've been using fleshly weapons. You've been using control and manipulation and unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and arguments and reasoning and and, and all kinds of things to try to change your circumstance and you're losing. I didn't say you're a loser. You're not. But you're losing this battle. Not the war. Jesus won that. But you're losing the battle for your peace. You're losing the battle for your hope. You're losing the battle for your joy. Why? Why? Because you're fighting it in the flesh with fleshly weapons. And they can't produce spiritual results. The Bible even says this much. It says, some, it says that man's, right, man's anger will not and cannot produce the righteousness of God. You can get as mad as you want to at whoever you want to, whenever you want to, however you want to, and do whatever you want to, and it still will not produce the righteousness of God. It may make you feel better for a minute, until you feel bad again. You know what I'm talking about? I just need to get that off my chest and you feel better for a minute. And if, and if the Holy Spirit treats you like he does me, it's only going to be a minute because the Holy Spirit's going to immediately be on top of you. And, uh that wasn't the way to do that. Now you got to go back and say you're sorry. <laughs> well, if I would have known I was going to say I'm sorry, I wouldn't have done it anyway. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I tried to tell you that. You weren't listening. You're too mad. But we fight with spiritual weapons. And the weapons that God gives us are mighty to, number one, pull down strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a wall that we build up in our internal being, in our mind. It comes from false beliefs, false teaching, or wrong reactions to circumstances in our life. Let me just tell you something about those wrong reactions. We all live on this world, in this plane. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Period. End of story. You don't get so spiritual that you stop having trouble. Anybody who tells you that there's a plane of faith that you can get to where you no longer have trouble just lied through their teeth. Well, they don't have problems. Oh, yes, they do. They just don't tell you. It won't sell as many books if they tell you they have the same problems. You do. See? You won't watch their TV show if you find out that they deal with the same stuff. You do. But let me just tell you, they do. I didn't say they didn't win. They they may win over the problems, but see, you can do that too. A stronghold is a false reaction, a wrong reaction to the circumstance. Everybody deals with trouble. Everybody has things happen to them that aren't pleasant. Everybody goes through storms. Everybody goes through difficulty. There is not a person, let let me just say this so it can set you free. You're sitting there, some of you saying, nobody's been hurt like I've been hurt. There's not a person in this room that hasn't been hurt somewhere, somehow. There's not one person in this room who hasn't been mistreated. There's not one person in this room who hasn't been betrayed. There's not one person in this room who doesn't know the pain of gossip or the sting of rejection. There's not one person in this room who doesn't know what it is to have somebody mad at them for a reason that they can't figure out. There's not one person in this room who hasn't been lied about. There's not one person in this room who hasn't been mistreated. There's not one person in this room who hasn't had a financial problem or a physical problem or battled with some type of something that they don't want anybody else to know about because they're afraid that you would treat them wrong all over again if they really told you what was going on in their life. That's 100% of everybody in this room and every other church sanctuary scattered across this land or around the world today. And anybody who thinks I'm the only one going through something, let me tell you, if you just would listen, if people would just be honest, you'd find out not only are you not the only one going through something, you would hear some things that some people are going through that would make you stop and think, oh my goodness, I'm not going through anything right now. Comparatively speaking. But the bottom line is, I'm not saying that to compare your problem with their problem. Your problem's huge to you. My problem's huge to me. The bottom line is we all have problems. It's not the problem that makes the difference. It's how we respond to it. And when we react in the flesh to the circumstances of our world, strongholds begin to build in our lives and in our mind. And those strongholds form a wall. Listen, hear what I'm. if you haven't heard anything today, this is very important. When a strong when we build a wall by a wrong reaction, something happens to you, somebody does something to you, and instead of forgiving them, you hold a grudge. You walk in resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. You're angry and you stay angry and burn up inside all the time. When things get bad and things don't go your way and prayers aren't answered, instead of just standing and believing and realizing what's just not time yet, instead you get disappointed with God and you stop praying and you stop studying God's Word and you stop seeking God and you just carry this thing around and you get farther. What happens is a stronghold builds up and that what, hear me, God doesn't stop speaking, God doesn't stop moving, God doesn't stop loving, and God doesn't stop acting, but you don't see it. You don't feel it and you don't hear it because you, not God, and not Satan. He's not big enough to do it. You built a wall that has become a stronghold. And God's working to get through, but there's a wall. It's a wall that you built by a wrong response to circumstances that everybody has. And, the, and here's what we do. When we don't hear or feel God because of the stronghold, we reinforce the wall. We continue to do more of what we were doing. We get more angry. We walk in more bitterness, more unforgiveness, more resentment, more doubt. And that wall gets thicker and stronger and higher. God's still speaking. God's still acting. God's still moving. God's still loving. But that wall is there. Oh, no, what do I do? Good news. You have weapons. And your weapons aren't fleshly. They're mighty to pull down strongholds. Notice the next thing. To cast down arguments. There are two kinds of arguments you have to deal with that rule against God in your life. One is the arguments that come from other people. You get a promise from God, oh, that'll never happen. Oh, God'll never do that. Oh, you'll never go there. Oh, that'll never happen for you. That's just a pipe dream. Blah, 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 blah. Or the worst argument of all. Your own. That inner dialogue that you have with yourself. Every time God starts to set you up for a miracle or an answer, you talk yourself out of it. Oh, I've been here before. This always happens. I'm not going to get my hopes up because every time I get my hopes up, they just get, oh, it's never going to work. I'll always goof up. I'll always mess up. I'll always this. What is that? That is an argument that you're having with yourself (laughs) against the promise of God. Well, that's so entrenched in me, it's all I know. What do I do? Good news. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to cast down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Some of those arguments are real high-sounding ones. Oh, I've had them. I've met them. I met somebody that don't walk with God no more than a man in the moon, but he can come up with an argument that's hard to confuse and hard to to resist. And they can say things that sound so good and sound so great, and you can read their books or catch them on the Internet or whatever, and it just, oh, my goodness. And all it is is a high thing. It's exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You know what God's Word says. Not only do you know what it says, there was a time when you walked in it and it was working. But now all of a sudden it's like, well, why this makes sense all it is is a high thing that it's uh, and what do you have weapons that can cast it down but here's the big boy this weapon the weapons that you have from god enable you to take every thought captive to the obedience of christ let me tell you what the devil does let me tell you what people do on his without knowing it assisting and aiding the enemy the devil just sows thoughts If you could look at your head as just like a garden, the devil loves to sow seeds of thoughts. (laughs) Doubt, unbelief, unforgiveness, anger. Oh, it's already happened today, I guarantee it. Somebody, at least one person in this room is already mad at somebody else in the room because you don't think they treated you right today. Well, I don't know what's wrong with them. I didn't do anything to them. They just ignored me. Walked right past me. Didn't act like they saw me at all. They just ignored me. Oh, I ain't going to have anything to I thought, oh, and you're already mad. They had like they didn't even see me. Can I let you in on a clue? They probably didn't see you. Well, that ain't right. Yeah, but you don't know what happened to them this morning, see? You don't know that they had a phone call right before church, see? And you don't know that their whole world got rocked this morning. And I'm sorry, but when they walked into church, you weren't the first thing on their mind. They walked into church because if I don't get Jesus today, I don't know if I can make it through the rest of the day because I don't know how I'm going to handle what I just found out about today. And I'm sorry, but today you weren't the first thing on their radar. Today Jesus was the first thing on the radar, and unless I miss it, that was kind of the way it was supposed to be anyway. But you think that they just purposely dodged you? They didn't. Pur- well, what if they did? Well, what if they did? That's their problem, isn't it? Who's going to give an account for that? You or them? They are. you get mad about it and hold a bitterness and a grudge and unforgiveness. And let me tell you what God will do. He will stop focusing on them to come focus on you. till he can root out the unforgiveness and the bitterness in you. And they'll just go about their merry way not knowing they ever did anything wrong. And you're miserable. Anybody ever had that happen? Am I telling you the truth? That's the way it works. You know why? Because God loves you too much to let it go. He knows that uh, the Bible says an evil root of bitterness will spring up and defile not just one, it will defile many. God knows that, and he don't want your family destroyed. He don't want your marriage destroyed. He he don't want the people around you and your friendships destroyed all because you let a root of bitterness file. He just wants to deal with that right now. And so he starts dealing with that. But the weapons that you have, they can take everything. So when the enemy comes to plant these thoughts, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. To me, this is so simple. Who does the Bible say is the accuser of the brethren? God or Satan? Satan. Let me just say it again. Who does the Bible say is the accuser of the brethren? God or Satan? Amazing to me how many people think the Holy Spirit's accusing their brethren to them. Oh, well, the Holy Spirit showed me. This person over here, they're not really who they claim to be. Well, who are they? let me tell you what I think the Holy Spirit told me. Now, you never thought about it one time in your life, but after you talk to that person, you start thinking, well, you know, they do act a little strange sometimes. Well, you know, maybe, just maybe. Do you know we could do away with all of that if we believe what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit is not the accuser of the brethren. He is not going to show up your mind and whisper a thought, this person's evil, this person's bad. Now, the Holy Spirit will check you when somebody's claiming to be a brother, and they're not, and they're... He will check you there so that you will know not to get involved in something that would destroy you. But He's never going to come and accuse another brother to you so that you can have suspicion and doubt and anger and unforgiveness towards that brother and spread it to whoever you want. And if we had just believed that, we could take that thought, see, and immediately, say I don't receive that That's not God. I'm going to take that to the point of Christ's obedience. What was the point of his obedience? The cross, Philippians 2. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So what does that mean for me? No matter what it takes, I'm not going to walk in unforgiveness. No matter what it takes, I'm not going to entertain this accusation. No matter what it takes, I'm not going to gossip. No matter what it takes, I'm not going to fall into unbelief and doubt. No matter what it takes, I'm not going to doubt the goodness of God just because my prayer didn't get answered five minutes after I prayed it. No matter what I think, I'm taking every thought to the place where Jesus died for me and I'm going to leave it there. You have weapons that enable you to do that. As I close, let me tell you what their weapons are. You don't have to turn there, but you know it well. It's in Ephesians chapter 6. It talks about the fact that we struggle not, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we do struggle. There is a war. It's against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Those same principalities and powers that the Bible says we're lifted up above through Jesus. So he says, after you've done everything that you possibly can to stand, stand therefore, having on, he starts listing the armor of God. He talks about the helmet of salvation. That's an important piece because it guards the mind. So what's that helmet for? Every time I struggle with doubt, insecurity, rejection, bitterness. Oh, no, 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 no. I am the redeemed of the Lord. And I don't have to be shy about that. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I'm not rejected. I'm accepted. I've been blessed and anointed and equipped and raised up in Christ. I am handpicked. Oh, oh, that just sounds so prideful. Well, Jesus is the one who said it. He said, you didn't pick me, I picked you. I chose you and appointed you that you'd go and bear much fruit and that your fruit would remain. I am a child of the Most High God. I'm a child of the King. I'm not rejected, I'm accepted. I thank you, God, that my mind is pure and their mind is clean. Whenever I have an impure, unclean thought, I bring it to the cross. And I refuse to hold on to that thought. See, it's not a sin to get a thought. It's a sin to hold on to it, though, if it's a wrong thought. So I'm not going to hold on to that thought. I'm going to let it go because my, I am the saved of the Lord. I'm whole and I'm redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord. I've got on the breastplate of righteousness that guards my heart and my lungs and these vital internal organs. I've got that breastplate. It's not my righteousness. It's His righteousness. I thank you, God, that you did make Him who knew no sin to become sin for me that I be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not only can I live right and do right, even if I am faithless, He remains faithful for He cannot deny Himself. So therefore, I don't care what condemnation tells me that I shouldn't pray and shouldn't believe. I can come boldly to my Heavenly Father, knowing that I'll find grace because it's His righteousness that I come in, not my own, and His righteousness doesn't change. So I thank you for the best prayer of righteousness, and I put on the belt of truth that holds everything else, every other piece of armor together. God, I will not believe a lie, because you're not a man that you should lie. I'm going to trust in the truth of your word. This is my anchor, and this is my foundation. I don't care what the news anchors say. I don't care what some false teacher, false prophet or false teacher says this is still the inerrant word of God and everything it says is true, it's true today, it'll be true tomorrow and it'll be true for as long as time stands and I'm going to live my life by that truth of your word and that truth that I know and experience will make me free and on top of that I will shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and listen I want to say something that I want to make sure you hear right, make sure you hear this right We've always, or at least I, have always interpreted that verse as mean evangelism. You know, after all, it's the gospel, and it's on your feet, so we go and we evangelize, and that is true. But the Bible says the wisdom of God is many-layered. That means there's layer upon layer to it. As I was studying this, the Holy Spirit spoke something a little different to me. It's true that the gospel's on our feet so that we can go and proclaim it to others who need it. Don't ever forget that. But I believe there's more to this. What? kind of gospel is it the gospel of what say it again the gospel of what one more time the gospel of what peace and where's it at on your feet so everywhere i go the good news is i can have peace Oh, but pastor, the days are so different. Everything's changing. Our world's changing. How are we going to make it? Everywhere I go, the good news is I can have peace. Well, what about the, the, did you hear the news today? I did. But everywhere I go, the good news is I can have peace. Well, what if everything falls apart? What if the stock market, everywhere I go, the good news is I can have peace. Well, well, well wait, wait a minute, Pastor. What if, what if we start having riots and this? Well, everywhere I go, the good news is I can have peace. And I'm going to be a person who brings peace everywhere I go. I shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I take up the shield of faith. Wherewith I can do what? Quench every arrow, literally flaming arrow, of the enemy. I love the... You know the word I like most in that? Every. Every. I just don't know, Pastor. What if the devil does this? Every. Well, well, what if that... Every. Well, what if I have to go through... Every. The shield of faith. Wherewith I can quench... Every. Whatever the devil can think up next. The shield of faith quenches every flaming arrow of the enemy and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Can I tell you something? If Jesus himself used the Word to defeat Satan face to face and toe to toe, let me promise you something. The Word will still defeat the enemy in your life. I'm going to say this again. Don't be offended when I say it. But everybody who ever said, the devil's been after me this week, you are lying because I guarantee you you are not that important see God is everywhere all the time Satan's not so if Satan is bothering you himself you're the most important person on the planet at that moment because he can't be everywhere at once okay that's see that's where we've got a false idea about the devil we painted him to be as big as God promise you something. He don't carry any of the attributes or characteristics of God. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. So, well, I think the devil read my mind. Well, number one, he don't have to read your mind. He's too busy listening to your mouth. All he's got to do is listen to us talk. He don't have to read our mind. But number two, he cannot read your mind. The devil's not omniscient. He don't know how to read your mind. God does. He doesn't. Stop giving the devil more than what he's worth, Okay. And he's not everywhere all the time. And here's the bit. He's not all powerful. My God, he is all powerful. My God, he is everywhere all the time. My God, he knows every word that I speak before it's even formed on my tongue. That's who our God is. It's important we understand that because, you see, the word of God is what And see, I believe what God, that's the sword that I use. So when the enemy comes against me, I take the which is the only offensive weapon in all of the armor, isn't it? I take the sword of the Spirit and I defeat him just like Jesus did. It is written, Jesus said. It is written. It is written. And Satan fled from him. When we walk in the word of God, we win. And then finally, as I close, we usually stop there, but Paul doesn't. After listing the armor of God, he, he says, now, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit praying always he just listed your weapons which are not fleshly but mighty to pull down strongholds cast down arguments every high thing that exalts itself against the word and the knowledge of God take to take every thought captive if the battles in the mind and the enemy uses thoughts to influence our mind Jesus said as a man thinks in his heart the word says as a man thinks in his heart So is he. Literally, that's rendered, so he becomes. As a man thinks, in his heart, so he becomes. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. And the Bible says the power of life and death is where? In the tongue. So anybody who's sitting there, I ain't worried about what I say, you ought to be. There's a lot of power in what you say. Why? Because what you say comes from what you think and what you think determines who you are. So we need to base all that on the word of God. We take the weapons and then we go to the battlefield. And the battlefield is not your arguments that you have with people. It's not all of the methods and the ministries and the those may be God ordained, God anointed, God led, but that's not the battlefield. All the ministry you do if it's not seasoned first in the battlefield, it will fall apart. The battlefield's prayer. Take all of this and pray. Can I tell you one thing that's defeating the church worse than anything else right now? We don't pray anymore. Oh, pastor, I pray. Well, if you are praying now like you used to pray, and even more, praise God for that. But in general, as a general rule, the church don't pray like it used to pray. And from what I see, individual Christians don't pray like they used to pray. We've gotten so busy, prayer's been put on the back burner. We pray when we get time, and guess what? The devil makes sure there's plenty of distractions so that you just don't have time. Wasn't that interesting? Because if that's where the battle is engaged, (laughs) and you ain't got time to engage in the battle, guess who's winning in your life? He just kind of looks at you. I ain't got to do anything there. They're too busy to even pray. Here, toss another grenade of doubt. They'll take it. Toss another grenade of fear, they'll just take it. Toss another grenade of hatred and unforgiveness, they'll just receive it. They ain't got time to pray. They don't even have time to put on the armor. They're too busy. They want to know what everybody did on Facebook yesterday. They got to figure out what happened in their favorite series this week. And hey, I'm not, please understand, my wife will tell you, I watch TV. I get on Facebook. But I don't have to stay there all day. And I can determine how much I watch and what I watch. And I can listen to the Holy Spirit when He says, you're watching a little bit too much, you need to pray more. (laughs) And make adjustments. You can too. You want to win this thing? You want to walk in peace and joy? You can. And here's the good news. God wants it for you more than you want it yourself. He's given you everything you need to do it. And these weapons are mighty. You know what that means? That means that within them, the the weapons themselves, there's power to pull down everything that's coming against you. But you got to get engaged, you got to be involved. You can't just sit back and let the devil do whatever he wants and let society do whatever they want to your mind. You've got to take control of what you're thinking, you've got to take control of what you're believing. You've got to take control of what you're speaking. You've got to make sure that you're walking in obedience to the Word of God. And He gives you all the power to do it. And when you start doing that, you're going to find that you're walking in peace and joy and righteousness because you're walking in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is controlling the patterns of your life. And when that begins to happen, you'll find that your mind is shifting and changing. And after a while, you'll realize, hey, you know what? I'm not thinking the way I used to think. That battle that I battled with so long, that attitude problem I had, that confusion I dealt with, that fear I dealt with, that anxiety I dealt with, man, I don't even remember the last time I stayed up and tossed and turned all night. Everything's changed. What did I do different? You stop fighting in the flesh what can only be won in the Spirit, and you got engaged, and you let God do what God alone can do. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for time spent in the Word of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're grateful today that every word that you send, does, none of it returns void or empty or meaningless. It always accomplishes the purpose you sent it out for. And in this room today, I thank you that you're bringing hope. I thank you you're bringing encouragement. You're bringing a challenge to our hearts to say you don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to live the way you've been living for the rest of your life. You don't have to hold on to this confusion and this chaos and this fear and this anxiety. You can be free. You can walk in the freedom that's been purchased for you by the blood of Jesus. Lord, help us to believe that. Help us to grab hold of it and trust your word. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would put on the whole armor of God. That we may be able to stand in that evil day. Father God, I think you will get engaged in prayer. Lord, that we will trust your word. Lord, that anything that you're shaking loose from us, because it's something we've trusted in and built on our own, and it can be shaken. I pray that we would let it go, so that only those things that cannot be shaken, that you've placed in our life, could remain. That we would trust you with that. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. The place where the kingdom of God begins is when we trust Jesus with our lives. And if you've never done that, if there's never been a moment in time when you've given over the reins of your heart, the control of your life to Jesus, there is no better time than now to do that. If you need to trust him to be forgiven, to be freed and allow Jesus to be your savior, you've never done that before. Would you lift your hand anywhere in this room before we pray about anything else? I'd love to pray for you. Okay, then secondly, you're a child of God and you know it, but you know the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you today. You battle with all kinds of things in your mind. You realize after thinking about strongholds that, you know what, I think I've got some strongholds that I've allowed to be built up in my life. I've built them up myself because of my own responses to circumstances. I built them up myself because I'm allowing arguments and high things that, that don't agree with God's Word to be things that I've accepted and trusted in. I've taken the enemy's thoughts instead of God's thoughts. And I know it's built strongholds in my mind, but I know that I can be free from them. And I want to be free from them. And I'm trusting Jesus to make me free as I trust His Word in my life. If that sounds like you, and you know God's been speaking to you today, I want to pray for you as we close. Would you lift your hand anywhere in the room? If you know that that just is exactly where you're at, that's what's going on in your life, the Holy Spirit's confirmed that, and you want to be free. You can be. Anybody else? Just put up your hand real quick. I want to pray for you before we close. All right? Anybody else? Just I don't want to miss anybody. All right, let's stand together across the room. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we close today, I lift up everyone in this room whose hands just went up. Lord God, they're acknowledging that through the word of God, the Holy Spirit spoken to them today. Lord, that they don't have to walk the way they've been walking. that They can walk in freedom. They can walk in joy. They can walk in peace in the power of the Holy Spirit. They can live in the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank You that You're going to open Your Word up, make it come alive to them day after day as they spend time in Your Word and time in Your presence. Father God, I thank You they're going to experience freedom and peace and joy as they take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, as they dismiss any thought that doesn't come from You, any argument that stands against Your Word, any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I thank You strongholds are coming down even as we speak in the name of Jesus. Lord God, that where they may have responded with hurt and fear and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, where they may have responded with doubt and unbelief and frustration, Father God, I thank you that as they give those things, those circumstances, those people to you, Father God, I thank you that you're releasing them. You're making them free and strongholds are crumbling in Jesus' name. I thank you that the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. And Father, I thank you that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that they have that comes from you destroys that yoke even now in Jesus name I thank you we leave this place today with peace we leave with encouragement we leave with joy we leave with the promise of God on our lips and in our heart I thank you the Holy Spirit goes with us as we go anointing and equipping us for everything you've called us to in Jesus name we pray amen amen be blessed we love you No services tonight. Leadership team meeting Tuesday night at 6.30. Services here Wednesday night. Be blessed. Go in the grace of God.